All right. If you're new, it's so good to have you. Just want to echo the welcome from Ollie and the guest table at the end, especially for you. Uh, you're actually joining us at a great time this morning. If, you, if this is your first Sunday with us, it's a really good Sunday to be your first Sunday because we're about to start a series called DNA. What is the genetic code? What is the, um, the undergirding culture and values of this church? That's what we're going to be talking about for the next uh, few months. So the, this morning is, is an odd preach in a way because it's, it's more like an introduction to what our series is going to be. So if you'd bear with me, um, hopefully we'll paint a real clear picture for you so you know where we're going. And before I get into it, I want to give one shout out to the women's event. As a staff, we went and did that escape room thing in Paul. It was amazing. Think huge themed rooms. It feels like so we did the prison one, so you're in like prison cells and you've got to try and escape and there's these clues and you don't know what you're doing and you've got like an hour and 15 minutes. It was absolutely epic. I didn't know what to expect and it was just great. So if you are um, a woman, please only, no dressing up men to go along. Ladies, <laughs> this is for you. It's a great day out next week, Saturday. Awesome. So let me start off this morning by just telling you, um, you'll see it on this page as well. You all got one of these? Everyone find one of these? Brilliant. Are you guys there? Are you okay? Hello. We're going to warm up. There we go. There we go. We're going to get going. What I'm going to speak on in the next two weeks, I've called for our good. For our good. And I want to I just push again and again this idea that every command in the Word of God is for our good. When God said it's good to be a church, when He said it's good to be a community and to come together, that's not some new idea that happened when Bill Hybels wrote a book or somebody else wrote something. This is the idea that's been in God's heart since the inception of creation. It's for our good. When we do our love, sex, and dating series tonight, wasn't it great last week, the first week? Wasn't it fantastic coming together? There's like 70 of you all together. It was amazing to talk. That's for your good. Sometimes there's this idea that, that God's a killjoy and He wants to stop your fun. No, God's commands are for our good. They're for our protection. So let me start off with this illustration. I want you to imagine with me this morning that, you, that you're newly married. So for some of you, you've got to go back a long time. For others, this is still the, the hope of the future. But I want you to imagine that, you, that you're recently married and you, you look at your wife and she's absolutely beautiful. I'm doing it from a guy's perspective. And you, you, you're madly, madly in love with this woman. And you're at a bri and you come around the corner. And as you come around this corner, you hear a group discussing your wife. And so you pause in anticipation of these wonderful things that they're going to say about this woman that you love. But instead, there's this kind of mocking, jeering, laughing about some aspect of your wife. There's a insulting something about her big nose i've been insulted about that before and you see that we call this the hudson nose that's my surname <laughs> this is how i know that my dad is my dad this is my cousin sitting over here from doha guys it's good to so good to have you that's why she's got the giggles now she knows the whole family or, or maybe they're mocking the way that she that she does something, but in the background, you know that, that she's working her guts out. She knows about that thing, and she's working her, her guts out to get it right, but they, they're busy laughing and mocking and jeering. What do you do? What do you do, Seacat? Hey? Right there. I, ho- I hope that's true. I, ho- I know you would. 
I hope right there, something inside of you rises up, an anger inside of you so strong that it bubbles over, and you can't just go and pretend that you didn't hear anything. You go and you defend her. If you need to, you hit people on the nose, right? This is what I hope happens in our heart, but something inside of us leaps to her defense. And now that, that illustration, when you think about it, is really, really similar to the way that we should respond around the church. When we think about the church and the fact that Christ, the metaphor that he uses is that he is the bride. He is, she is the beloved. He is the groom. This is the metaphor that he uses. And when we talk about the church in a way that's ungodly and unhelpful, it's not wrong because some leaders might have their feelings hurt and they might. But that's not why, primarily why it's wrong. It's not wrong because we, we stir up cynicism in one another's hearts in a generation that's already struggling with individualitis. That's not the primary reason. The primary reason that it's wrong is because we're speaking about Jesus' bride. I want you to think about that for a moment and let it really sink into our hearts and our, and our minds that when we're having a dinner and we're ranting about the church or we're ranting about people in the church, leaders, fellow, fellow people that are walking the road with us, when we're ranting about those people or we're throwing away casual, condemning, hurtful comments aimed at the church, do you realize that your comments and my comments are addressed to the bride of your Savior? I'm not trying to put a downer on you. I just want something in our hearts to click. We wouldn't even tolerate it in a human sense. This is how Ephesians 5 says it. It should come up behind you, but you can go there as well. Ephesians 5.25. Paul the Apostle is, is speaking to husbands about how to love their wives. And he's not just saying, love your wife because it's a good idea and she'll love you back. He actually appeals to Jesus as the example. And he says, love your wives because look at Jesus. Look at Jesus. And this is what he says. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. He died defending her. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. And thank you, Jesus, that glorification is waiting for us. As Revelation speaks about that one day, community, if you don't like community, you're going to have a real problem with heaven. Because that's what it is. God coming to dwell among His people. Let's go back to our bra where we paused at that corner waiting for good things to be said about our beautiful wife. I forgot to tell you that a few months ago you saved the life of the main guy who's leading the laughter. Right? Do you get the picture? This is, this is our Savior. He's poured out redemption. He's poured out grace. He said to you, hey, hey, you're lonely, you're rejected. Come to my family. Come to my community. Come, come find acceptance here. He sets the orphans and families as we sung about and as misreferenced. Come find grace. Come find joy. Come find peace. 
And then we've got to ask, oh Lord, is it really fitting? And even in my mind, I begin to run through things I've said, past conversations I've had. We, we slaughter so many reputations with Braflace, right? So many people, so much church has been damaged around a, a good glass of wine and a steak. Friends, do we really for a moment suppose that Jesus is fine with our angst? Do we for a moment believe that he's happy with the casual insults that we throw out against his people, against his church? Do you think he says, go ahead, fire away, whatever you say is probably true, she's a loser. I always kind of suspected she was. I never really loved her that much anyway. Any man I know who had the smallest amount of love and respect or concern for his wife, his bride, would be appalled. And I'm asking us this morning, and I know it's a heavy start, but I'm asking us, are we? Are we? See, I'm, I'm concerned. There's many things that you know that concern me, but there's a, there's a troubling narrative which is spreading around the world, especially the Western world, and it's, it's getting increasing traction around the church. And it's, maybe you've heard it. Maybe you've heard it whispered on YouTube or on the blogs or on Twitter, wherever, you, wherever you're finding some of this information. But it's this, it's this narrative that I love Jesus, but I can't stand the church. Have you heard something like that? You know, I, I love Jesus. I just can't stand Christians. I love Jesus. I want, I want my time with Jesus. I love being in my lounge by myself on my couch with Jesus. But don't, don't, don't come and talk to me about that church stuff. That, no, 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 no. no I, and there's this anti-church brand of Christianity. The anti-church. I mean, it's, it's, it's crazy when you stop and think about it. It shouldn't even exist in the same sentence. It's oxymoronic. You can't have one without the other. You can't have Jesus without the, the body that he died to give himself for. We shouldn't. You can, but you shouldn't. And for the most part, it's become an increasingly acceptable, viable option. When you think about Christianity, on the smorgasbord board of Christian options, there's this option that you can have this individualized, privatized religion that's just you and Jesus. Thank you very much. And I want to stand up and hold a standard up against that this morning and say it is wrong. It is against the heart of God. It is not His plan for the church. And we're going to be speaking about that in the weeks to come. It is not biblical faith. This is not the faith that we are shown in Scriptures. Is this the idea of church that Christ gave His life for? It cannot be. Is this the faith that with a sober reading of Scripture we come to the conclusion, a reasoned, thought-through conclusion that when we read the Word of God that we come out and say, God is okay with me being on my own and not part of a community? God is after a united people, a people in community together. And this is, this is the heart when, he, when, when Paul writes, speaking about unity in Ephesians Chapter 4, this is what he says, and you've heard this many times because we contend not just for being part of a community, but we contend that all God's churches are vital, intricate parts of the, the cogs of the machinery of what he wants to do here in Stellenbosch and around the world. No one gets blessed when we shoot holes in the boat. 
No one gets blessed when we, when we say this and that about other churches or we go to someone who's growing in a church and we say, no, no, you should leave your church. Come to our church. It's so much nicer. And we become these little cheerleaders of our, our church. I, I applaud your enthusiasm. It's awesome. But we shouldn't be doing that. We should let Jesus be talking to these people and leaving them where they are growing. It's wonderful. But anyway, I get ahead of myself and I get too excited. Ephesians 4, 4 to 6. There is, say it with me, one. Say it with me. There is one body and one spirit. Come read it with me. Just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith. One baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Did you count them? Seven ones. There are seven times in that verse that Paul says, one, one, one. See, the very, the very foundation of the community. Church, do you know church just means gathering? It's literally the word. Church, gathering, ecclesia, coming together of people. The foundations of this church are built upon the Trinitarian God that we worship, right? So when you read this verse in Ephesians and you see one Lord, one Spirit, one Father, that's the Trinity. We sang about it this morning. I believe in God the Father. I believe in God the Son. I believe in the Holy Spirit. Our God is three in one. That's what we're singing as, as Bern and the team declared that over us this morning. And then think about it like this. In that trinity, we place our faith and we become one. There's no escaping it. It's not complex. As God is one in Himself, so as we come to know Him, so are we baptized into one body, one baptism, one Holy Spirit. Shofar doesn't have another special Holy Spirit that we don't have. There's not an every nation spirit and a Josh Jen or, or this or that. We baptized into the same body. With the Enchia, it's the same body. With churches around the world. Guys, this thing has got to sink into our hearts because this is why church is vital. Because we are called into community because God is in community. It's not a random, separate idea that, that just kind of runs on its own parallel track. No, we are in community because God is in community. And I've told you that I want to preach for the next two weeks about for our good. If it's for God's good, then surely it's for our good. I mean, think even right back to the beginning in, in Genesis. What does God say in Genesis 1? Let who create? Let us. Right there, the inception of time, community, team. I want to say it like this. Therefore, to refuse community is to set ourselves above God. I want you to think about that for a moment. To refuse community is to set ourselves above God. Effectively, what we're saying is, Lord, you function in community. God, you see fit that this is good for you, but Lord, as for me and my house, we're just doing fine on our own. Thanks, God. God, I've, I've tried this church thing, and let me tell you what, God, my family are so much less irritating than these people at church, God. 
they think like me. They, they pick up stuff like, you know, when I make a joke, they laugh, God. These guys at church, they just, they just weird. You know, or God, you know, I, I went to church and I was, I was part of that, God, that people were such idiots and they hurt me so deeply, God. Don't ask me to go back there, God. This, this can't be good. God, you know, that guy that stands up all the time and he's always banging on about what I need to do and what I need to think about. You know, God, actually, I had a really hard Saturday, Lord, and I just need a Sabbath on Sunday. And Sabbath is just being by myself, right? Watching Netflix. Because this is my rest. And maybe I'll find a YouTube preacher. And when he says something I don't like, I'll just... (laughs) Next. That's the problem with coming to church. You can't just mute me. (laughs) Fast forward three times. You know, it's, it's so much less hurtful to stay at home, right? So much simpler. When the band plays, when Bethel play, and you have it on your, in your headphones, and I mean, I'm not against this. You guys know this. I love this. All through this week, I've had that song being thrown upon the praises. I've been listening to that over and over. And the other one is that uh, worthy of every, of every name, worthy of every song that can ever be sung, or something like that, Shane and Shane, really good song, so I'm all for this, but they don't ever hit an off note, their voices are glorious, they never ever like, don't do the song right, every time I play it, it's the same, it's perfect, it's so much easier, if I could just have my little personalized worship time with Jesus, choose my playlist, oh, I don't like that song, or oh, I don't like, oh, what are we doing Jabulani for, I mean, we haven't done that since the 1970s, you know, it was awesome. Like, ah, skip that one. You get my drift. So this is the this is the progression in Ephesians, right? God is one. One Lord, one Father, one Spirit. And then here's the here's the second implication that comes out of that text. We get welcomed into community with a Trinitarian God. This is the mystery of the universe. I think I've said it here before. I remember in my student days, Pete preaching this sermon. Pete was the guy who used to lead the church I was part of then and led New Gen for many years, if you don't know him. And I remember him preaching this, this sermon entitled, Come on, Ham Sandwich, let's go take over the world. And he spoke about the improbable partnership of God turning to us and saying, I want you to come with me. Come on, Ham Sandwich. Come on, Paul Hodson. Let's go take over the world. It's crazy. That's, that's, that's the second implication, the mystery of the universe. The third implication is this. We inescapably enter into relationship with other members of this body also covered by the grace of God. Turn to someone next to you and say, you're my body. That might need some clarification for the student men in the house. All right, we part of one body, it's inescapable. This is what the text says there's one body, one hope, one faith, one baptism. Therefore, Each and every person who bows their knee to the Father, who accepts Jesus Christ as his Lord or her Lord and Savior, becomes part of one body, just as the Trinity are one. You might not feel like it. It's true. 
You might not want it or like it. I don't want this body. Just give me my Jesus and my cup of coffee. It doesn't change the fact that Scripture, this is what Scripture teaches. This is the God you came to. If you're coming to another God, He's a God of your imagination. Sometimes we, even when we're singing that song this morning, I believe in the virgin birth, I believe in this, we're going through, it's, like, it's basically like a, a, a doctrine. You all these different doctrines, and it was you saying, I think we come to, to this often as if it's like um, licorice all sorts. Oh, oh, I like this one. I think I'll take this one. Oh, I like that one. And then the rest of them we give to our kids. <laughs> or whatever you do with the ones you don't want. Put them in a big pile and give them away as a gift. As for me and my house, we're just fine. On our own thanks. Never, never has this been, nor will it ever be, a biblical, God-honoring position. It just some, simply doesn't exist when you read the Word of, of God. And here's the, here's the thing I want you to hear. I don't want you to hear me criticizing you if you've not been around church much. I don't want you to hear that. I don't want you to feel condemned because last week you went to the beach because it was so, such a beautiful sunny day. Actually, it wasn't, but maybe the week before. That's not what I'm, that's not what I'm getting at. I'm, what I'm getting at is this. God loves you so much that He's not going to leave you to believe that. God loves you so much that He's not going to let you believe that being out there on your own, out of community, lightly involved in community, casually involved with community, He's not going to let you believe that that is for your good. God wants to do more good to us than we could ever ask or imagine. He says He wants to give us life and life to the full. He's not trying to take away your Sunday mornings. He's not trying to take away your Wednesday evenings. He's not trying to take away your fun and now you must go to a prayer meeting. He's trying to give you life to the full. All right, so this is, I'm going to, I'm going to stop there in, in this sense for now. I want, I want to paint a picture of just, just clarifying what we're going to do over the next few weeks and months. But in the weeks to come, we're going to keep coming back to this vital, vital piece of the puzzle. That God is Trinity, that the church is Jesus' bride, that He loves her passionately, that He gives His life for her, that He welcomes us into community. And we're going to keep coming back and back. Are you with me? If you're not, it's hard to shout it out, isn't it? <laughs> no, we hate you. Bless you, brother. So there's three, there's three goals of what we want to do in this series. There's three things we want to do. The first one is this. We want to clearly articulate as a leadership what it is we believe. This church, One Hope, has beliefs which we believe are founded in thousand years, thousands of years of church history. We believe they're deeply rooted in the Word of God. But there's other people around our town, around the world, who also believe that they are functioning from the Word of God. There's no deliberate deception, but they reach different doctrinal conclusions to us, and that's okay. But we need to clearly lay out what it is that we believe. And secondly, we want to ask and we want to speak about what it is that we do with what we believe. Because we're not a lecture hall, right? We're not a university. We're not trying to get a degree here. 
We're saying, God, we want our lives practically positioned to be changed and useful for your kingdom. So what do we do with what we believe is a vital question. And then thirdly, we want to speak about what, is, what are these things that we believe and these things that we want to do with what we believe. How do we, how do we genuinely partner in the gospel together? Here's the big E word. What do we expect of our partners at One Hope? And what is the reciprocal responsibility of the leadership of One Hope? These are vital questions, right? If you want to be part of a church, these are some of the questions you really need to stop and ask. Worship is great. Coffee is good. Not a good reason to join a church. We need to get down and drill into some of these things. And then there's, at the end of, of those three things, I'm really hoping, it's, we should be eight or nine weeks is, is my guess, but you know I'm an optimist, so we'll see, we'll see where we go. But I, I'm really hoping that there'll be such clarity in your mind as to whether One Hope is the place for you to put down gospel roots, community roots. And I'm hoping that there's others who through this process say, you know what, actually there's another place in this town which is good for me and my family. And I want to just endorse that right up front. We don't want anybody that God is not sending us. We're not trying to build some mega church. We really couldn't be bothered. There are brilliant churches in this town. Some of them who are going to be closely aligned to what you hold. And I don't want to feel like you're constantly spending all your effort trying to get on the page with us so much so that you don't even end up serving. Or so much so that you don't even end up using your gifts in the kingdom of God. That's an absolute fail for us. So I'm hoping that some of that clarity is going to be there. Then there's, there's three groups of people. Let me talk to you about them quickly. One of them should be, you should find yourself in one of these three groups. These, these are the guys that we've got in mind as we start this series on, on our DNA. Those of you, the first group are those of you who already consider One Hope your church family. You've been coming, you, you love it, you've done our DNA course, you, you're welcomed in, you're a partner, etc. This is for you. I want to, I want to use this series to reaffirm why you joined us. Maybe you joined us in a hurry and you're not quite sure of everything we believe. This is a great series to just outline some of those things. We want to reinforce values and beliefs and say this is the priorities that we believe that God is calling us to. Here's, 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 here's a thought. It's a great comfort to me that DNA is nothing new. We're not inventing anything new. I sat down and thought, let's do a DNA series. We started talking it through and we thought, what's the... There's nothing new. It's what God's been doing for thousands of years through the church. Isn't that a great comfort? That's on the one hand. And on the other hand, there's, there's, I believe that each lampstand, each local church, God is, is wanting them to emphasize certain things. So you'll see serve stellies like we're getting stuck in with our community. That's not something that necessarily every single church is going to prioritize. It's something for us that is vital. It's, it's part of our lifeblood. If we don't get that thing right, we feel like we aren't doing what God's called us to do in Stellenbosch. So some of these things are, are emphasis. Are you with me? And we want to reaffirm those things. I want to, through the series, we want to align beliefs. I think there's this idea that somehow it's a virtue that we can just, we can just all have various doctrines and beliefs. And it's somehow this virtue that we're just all going to run together in tolerance. I want to just say, I, I, don't, I don't have faith for that. I really don't. I, I don't believe that having significantly core ideas and beliefs around what we want to achieve and how we're going to achieve it, having different ones, I don't think that brings us strength. I think that brings us weakness. 
And I'm not talking about yes men. I'm not talking about those silly things. I just want you to take that thought and apply it into your business. So take that, take that idea and apply it into your business. You've got a sales team who all have, have an idea of how you should sell the product and no one is aligned. You have an end goal in the business which no one can agree on and you have a strategy for implementing it which no one kind of likes and so everyone just does their own thing. How successful is your business going to be? Is it, is it weaker or is it stronger? It's absolutely weaker. It's a shambles. And so I don't want us to pretend that there's this virtue of just being able to just float along with everybody regardless of what you believe. It's just not, it's just not a helpful thing. We are stronger when we align. And we're going to talk about this a lot in the next, in the next couple of weeks. But we need a, a similar or the same end goal. And we need clarity around how we're trying to achieve that. There's a great saying. Have you heard it? If you try to be everything to everyone, you end up being nothing to no one. Try to be everything to everyone. You end up being nothing to no one. And then there's another fantastic saying which we're going to be using throughout the series. Thank you, Jean Chosard, for not, not for inventing it. I wish you invented it. Um, it was actually the Moravians. So if you know the Moravians, they're very famous. They are a group of people who began in their desperation to reach the lost. They began to sell themselves into slavery because it was the only way that they could get to some of these slave colonies. So they sold themselves their whole lives into slavery so they could take the gospel to these guys. That's the Moravians. You can go and do some studying on them. They're incredible. But this is, this is a vital, vital saying that they held to. And I would love for us to memorize this through our weeks together in this course. It's, it's, it's like this. In the essentials, unity. In the non-essentials, liberty. In all things, love or charity. In the essentials, unity. We hold them tight. In the non-essentials, liberty. Things that are not, not meaningful. Does your kid do karate? I don't care. Really? Can we be in church together? Absolutely. They're non-essential things. Do you want to wave an Israel flag in the back of the church while we sing worship, so long as it's in the back of the church? Fine. We can run together. Non-essentials. We have liberty. And then I love this little last line. In all things charity or in all things love. If we could just get this right, man, so much nonsense and church division and the reason that we don't worship together and unify and come together and pray together is around this one little thing because we disagree on the essentials or we disagree on the non-essentials and in all things hate in all things anger in all things judgment and finger pointing and mud flinging and shooting holes in the boat this little phrase reminds us of how we are meant to respond to everyone regardless of the position they hold. No matter how wrong you think they are, love. All right, one hopers, are we on board for that? I want to challenge and provoke us where some of us may have become lax in serving and genuine participation in the body. This is something we're going to keep on going on and on and on about. This is not a club. Your tithe is not your membership fee. You don't get to sit and come into a cinema-type environment and just have your best church now. Ten top tips. This is not the church for you. <laughs> it's not going to fulfill it. 
I want to remind us through the series of the biblical imperative and the health of a priesthood of all believers. All of us functioning. Not me, just because I'm the preacher. Not me carrying all the weight. Not, hey, you know, this is one of my favorite ones. You know, hey, we get a church office phone call. Such and such a thing. I saw such and such a thing. Can the church help? What am I supposed to say? You are the church. Maybe God showed you that person because He wants you to help that person. That's why He showed you. Don't phone the church office to help. Help. Do you know what I'm saying? The priesthood of all believers. This is good for us. We are growing muscle. Not just one or two or three of us carrying the, carrying the load. I want to use this series to remind us that we exist for more than just ourselves. This is beyond gathering and us four and no more and scratching each other's backs like baboons picking fleas off one another. That's not what this is about. We exist because God is calling us to more, to out, to mission. I was watching the... Um, Charles been putting together a labor of love. It's about 35 minutes on the history of, of New Gen, which is, if you've just joined us, we've just recently changed our name to One Hope. Before that, we were New Gen, and it was right back into Abundant Life days, back into the 1970s. So some of the guys on, on the video are no longer even with us as I'm watching uh, pictures and things of us, the building going up and right back into the 1970s. Incredible. And as I was watching, and I, was, I felt emotional watching just this journey, and at some point in this series, we'll show you some of that video. But it just, it just was, this is for our good God. These people have been well-served God. I think of the number of people. This is like marriage central. Like you think of the number of people that have been married out of our congregation in the last few years. I mean, who's done better than the Cunningham family? Right? <laughs> Three kids in this church. Three of them married. And the thing, that, the thing that kills me is the two daughters took their guys back to their country. Like, what's with that? At least, like, keep them here. But I just think of, like, the stories of grace. And God has done beautiful things. And God will continue to. The second group of people that, are, that we want to speak to through this series, and I won't be too much longer. And I'm sorry, I know this is really dry. I know this is really informational, but I just I want to paint a picture of what we're trying to do in this series to hopefully whet your appetite and hopefully just that we have a clarity. I want to speak in this series, or we want to speak, the preachers that are going to be preaching, to those who, who may be struggling with questions about the validity of church at all. You know, there's so many. I just I used one already this morning, one of the phrases, but there's there's so many. Maybe you've heard a myth. Something like this. We're all just part of the global church and we don't need a local church. I can, just, I can just church hop and go wherever I want because I'm just part of this big global church of God. Don't put your stuff on me, Paul. Don't put it on me. I don't have to do that. Or, or the other one is that the only leader I need is Jesus. I want to tell you with, with grace in my heart that I'm pretty certain that the, the conclusions and the reasons that you've reached those things are because of human fault. Someone's hurt you. Someone's did, done something that offended you deeply. And that's why you, I don't think that you actually are genuinely convinced from the Word of God that that's a, a standpoint that you can stand up under. So through this series, I'm not trying to bash you. If that's your, if that's your view, I want to 
graciously as I can, and I'm not the most gracious person. I'm a little bit rough around the edges. I'm sorry about that. Come back in 10 years, I'll do this much better. <laughs> but I want, to, I want to take us again and again to the compelling arguments of Scripture. It makes no sense to invalidate church, just even on, just on a reason level. So many of the commands given us just can't, simply can't be fulfilled without church community. We'll look at that in a minute as well. Maybe you don't believe the church is valid because you don't believe that Christ is valid. And I just want to say you're welcome. That's okay. And I also want to say I'm so sorry when we've painted a picture that shows you somehow, that validates for you that Christ is not real. We're broken people walking a road trying to figure it out along with you. And so we want to, we want to welcome you and we want to, I want to paint a compelling picture. I want to again and again through the series hold up the canvas and say, this is what the church was meant to look like. This is what the church is going to look like. You've just got to give it a few more years until you're dead and in heaven. And there's no more sin and no more brokenness because as long as you add more and more people, it's going to be a mess. And the sooner we come to grips with that, it's the better for everybody. And then Within that group of people is a group, and I know you're sitting here this morning. I, I, I've spoken to some of you. I've heard some of your stories. There's a group of people who are really hurting, and it's really hard to be here. And even as I'm preaching this morning, you're thinking, this is why I didn't come to church. This is why, because this is the kind of stuff. He's, he's going to tell me this thing, and it's going to... And, and I just, I believe that God's going to use this series to draw back the skeptic and and the hurting, and just paint a picture of what his church is meant to be, and reignite that, that hope in our hearts, where it's been squished and squashed, and I don't know what situation you may have gone through. So a little while ago, I was, I was preaching, and I was giving gears around um, the church being an, an army, and we're an army with a little hospital wing, and I was really emphasizing that we're an army. We've got to go out, and we recover to the sound of the, of the guns. I love that analogy. That, that you like, it's like a battleship and, and we're, we're fighting in a war but there's a, there's a hospital wing in that battleship. But as you're recovering, it's to the sound of the guns with your heart longing to get back out into the fray. And I believe that with all my heart. But I, I had a great meeting and Lucille came and she's very gracious, came and sat in my office with me and she said to me, you know, I think in Stellenbosch, I think there's a lot of hurt and I, I think maybe you, you overemphasized that point a little bit. And I vehemently disagreed. No, you're wrong. We're an army with a little church, a little hospital wing. We got it. You know, I've been thinking about that a lot. And that was, that was a couple of months ago. And, and I think I've said this to you. I hope I've said this to you already. But I think you're right. I think, I think we need to be careful. I think we need to recognize that there's a lot of hurt. There's a lot of pain in this town. I've only been here five years. There's, there's church divisions that run here for a long, 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 long time. And while we don't endorse them, we want to just say this. Jesus can bring healing to you. He can bring hope again. Remind you of what His church is meant to be like. It's beautiful. And there's space to recover here. I'm not asking you next week to come and join this team. or join. It's okay. If you're coming in here and you're hurting, just breathe out. You can be with us for for some time and eventually we'll get you back in the war. I'm not going to stop holding on to that. But there's also a hospital that you can be part of here. Then there's, there's a third and final group that we want to speak to through this series and 
that may be just a group of you, maybe you're just visiting and you're just kind of like wide-eyed and mystified in here this morning. And you're like, so I'm, I'm sorry, I don't know what I did wrong, but this is my first church meeting with you. I'm just, just walked in. Maybe you're church hopping, trying to find a new church. Um, but you, you're just unsure of where you want to settle down and where you want to put down community roots. You're not even sure like what the list is of what you're meant to be looking for. Our, our aim, and I've said this already in part, but I'll just say it more clearly, our aim is to paint a clear picture of what we believe here and give you as much clarity as possible to make that decision. And that's our aim, and I want to very clearly state what our aim is not. Our aim as a team is not to convince you to join us. Really. I'm one million billion Jacob Zuma, one million billion, <laughs> convinced that numbers is not a healthy measure in the, word, in, the, in the kingdom of God. It's a measure, I get that, but I don't think it's a healthy measure that just because we have lots of people coming, there's lots of people who go to all sorts of things that have nothing to do with God. And I, I just want to emphasize this, that you are welcome, and I want to paint as clear a picture for you as possible but One Hope may not be the church for you, and that's okay, and I want you just to breathe out, relax. If you hold views that are very, very different to ours, that's okay. We don't want to judge you. We want to love you in those things. We want to try and convince you from Scripture as to why we believe what we believe, because we really do believe it. But if at the end of trying to convince you, you still don't hold those fundamental views with us, Please go somewhere where they agree with you. For our good and for your good. The second little aspect of this thing that I think we could serve Stellenbosch so, so well is to disciple, even from the pulpit, to disciple us in how to join and stick. Man, guys, there's a Christian Serengeti in this town. The wildebeest migration. One church grows and the other one shrinks. And the next church grows and the other one shrinks. And we're all fishing from the same pool, trying to herd. And our focus should be on those who don't know Jesus. If our churches are growing because people are coming to know Jesus, the Savior. We have 35,000 students in this town. Is that, am I right on that statistic? Are we somewhere there? Am I being an evangelist and counting eyes again? <laughs> But I, I think there's 35, 30, 35,000 students. You know, people say, we don't need any more churches. Until every person in this town is in a church, we need more churches. We need more churches. And there's this perpetual and unhealthy movement of, of churches. And I'm hoping that even as we speak through our values and the attitudes and beliefs, I'm hoping that in our hearts God begins to settle. No, no, I'm going to join somewhere. And you know what? I'm going to find something wrong with that and I'm going to stay. And then you know what? I'm going to find something else wrong with it and then I'm going to stay some more. And then I'm going to find something wrong with the leader and then I'm going to stay some more. And I think God wants to bring some of this disciples. I'm not talking about just... Okay, hopefully, you guys know me. Hopefully, hear my heart. I'm not talking about, you know, just sticking it out when the guy's preaching heresy. I'm not, I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about stuff that goes against the Word of God. But there's, there's definitely a movement that's way, way, way too quick around our churches. There's one body, one spirit, 
Just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all. Who is over all and through all and in all. You got it? So that's the big picture of our series. That's what we want to do in the next weeks to come. And on your page, we're now going to go through this verse, Bob. I'm kidding. (laughs) Relax. There we go. Where's the backup ladies? This is what I'm going to speak about next week as well. Being, this is a big idea right up the top left. Who, ha- who doesn't have? Can we please pass spare ones? Thanks, Shah. That direction. Thanks, Charles, for making this. Charles, the guy who always sits behind the video. One of our great servants. Thank you. Media and design and all this other stuff that he's up to. Yeah, give him a hand. Why not? Give the man a hand. So here's the big idea. Being meaningfully part of a committed community is God's idea of what is good for us. Being meaningfully part of a committed community is God's idea of what is good for us. And what I want you to do this week is that I want you to go through these verses on this page. You can do it over the next few weeks. If this is overwhelming for you, that's great. But this is, this is every time, well, every time there's this phrase, one another, in the Word of God, and it's the same phrase. It's exactly the same Greek words. Except for the very, very last one, number 33, is a slightly different one. All the rest of them are the same. There's over a hundred occurrences of those words, and we've taken the, the themes and put them together, right? And this is all the one another verses. And they, if you group them, you'll see this. It's used over a hundred times in 94 verses. 47 of those verses give instructions to the church, and 60% of those instructions come from Paul. And then they grouped under these three banners, unity, love, humility, and then there's another little banner called here's the rest that don't really fit into one of those three categories. But those are the three primary categories that these things fit into. And this is the question we're going to ask next week when we come back together. Can you meaningfully be part of a committed community that is God's idea for your good and still obey these commands? That's what we're going to speak about. So if I just had to look at, at the last one as an example, for your good. Wouldn't it be incredible if, <laughs> if, I, if, I said to you, if, I, if you were a friend and you didn't know Jesus and I said, I want to invite you to something this morning and I want to just give you an idea of what this gathering is going to be like. These guys have a leader who's so amazing that he's actually God. No, not kidding. He's actually God. This is the guy who's leading them. And this is what he's trying to make them. This is what he's trying to teach them. And this is what eventually in Revelation, this is eventually what they're going to look like in all their beauty and all their purity. But this is his bride. And this is the place. I want you to come to a place where we're going to be at peace with one another. Any of your friends say, nah. I don't need any peace in my life. I want to bring you to a peace where people don't grumble about each other. 
I want to bring you to a place where, where people have the same mind. There's not this disunity all the time and this, this fighting. I, I want to bring you to a place where you're accepted. Where people don't bite and devour and consume one another. You know the problem with sheep is that sheep bite. <laughs> We bite. Every single one of us bite. Guys, you're going to get hurt. So that's what we're going to speak about next week. Let's close in communion this morning and in prayer. Can I ask you, um, Neil, looks like you're on projection there. Hey, Neil, hands for Neil. Projection. Yo. <laughs> Can I ask you to throw up Ephesians 5 again? It's Ephesians 5, 25. I'd love us to just, as we take communion this morning, I'd love us to dwell on this verse. I'd love us in our hearts to really, as we come to communion, if you're a believer, this is for you. I would love for us to repent. To think about moments where we've been that man, that woman at the bra that's talked about his church in a way that we know doesn't honor God. I'd love for us to just, before we take communion, to say, Father, I'm so sorry. I didn't know, I didn't mean to, I, I, I'm sorry. I spoke about your precious bride like this or like that. Lord Jesus, as we come to the conclusion of our time together this morning, I want to praise and thank you for the gift of your church, that this is for our good. It's for the good of our families. God, there's nothing better I could do for my children than immerse them in a local church community, teaching them about Christ and learning to grow up in these precious things, God. Lord, no education I could give them, no secure home that I could give them, no financial inheritance that I could give them could ever come close to the beauty of knowing you and walking with your people in increasing maturity in you, Father. Lord, would you take bumbling words and thoughts and metaphors and illustrations and some things helpfully said, other things unhelpfully said, some things that feel like they've ripped open a wound in our hearts this morning. Father, would you take all of those things and by the grace and empowering of your Holy Spirit, would you come and show us your kindness, your love, your good for us. Show us that this is your purpose for our lives. This is part of your plan for us, Lord Jesus. God, for those who are really wounded this morning, Lord, my heart is sore for them. Would you help them to begin to trust again, Lord? Not because I'm trustworthy or other leaders here are trustworthy, because you're trustworthy. And you say this is for our good. Jesus, as we take communion this morning, we remember this verse. That Jesus Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. In the process, making her holy, cleansing her through the washing with water, through the word. And we look forward to the day when she, us, all of us are going to be presented to you as a radiant bride, a radiant church. Without any of the stains or the wrinkles or blemishes which... We feel so acutely right now, but that you're going to make us, you have made us holy and blameless before you. 
In the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen and amen.